All right, welcome to the podcast, Brett. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm great. My boyfriend is painting my nails right now. Um, <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny if he did it while we did the interview. So today I was like, can you paint my nails while we do this? <laughs> and I have my last show in Atlanta tonight, so I kind of wanted to have some nice nails for it. Yeah. So, yeah. How do you feel about that? About having my last show? Yeah. Um... I mean, I'm overwhelmed. Like, it's it's been, like, um, three really good years here. And I think I've been very focused on, like, you know, if... Uh, I, I'm trying to treat this last, like, week, couple weeks, like, before I move, like, the same that I've been treating every single week here. Um, so, like, I definitely, you know, this weekend I had, like, my last, like, four shows in Atlanta. And that I, I knew that and that felt important to me. But I'm also trying to, f- to focus on just like, just do the work. Like the show will be good if I just focus on doing the work like normal. As soon as I'm like, oh God, it's my last show. It, it, like it has to be good. I have to go out with a bang. Like it needs to be really important and special. Like then the work is not going to be good because I'm going to be too focused on end results. So yeah. So I'm like emotional. I've cried after every show this weekend. I'm sure I will cry tonight. Um, just cause this has been like so meaningful to be doing improv in Atlanta. Yeah. So. How do you feel like you've changed? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've changed so much. <laughs> like in my three years here. Yeah. I mean, I like moved here as like a closeted Christian man, you know, like, so even just that is like, I've really, um, fell in love with myself in the last few years, I would say. Um, And I think, like, I mean, doing improv has been such a big part of that. I think, like, as a closeted person, um, there was always, like, limitations in my work. And, I mean, just, like, everything. But, like, when I look at improv, I would think, like, oh, wow, like, I can't really talk about certain things. How do I, like, bring up these kind of subjects? Like... I'm gay, but I'm not gay publicly. So like, am I allowed to like make jokes like that? And um, I was just in my head a lot more. And I think mm-hmm. like really stepping into myself in the last couple of years, really like loving myself and feeling very confident about like the whole package that I bring um, has made um, me just way more free in general. And then in my improv, it's obviously made me more free as well, because I don't have these fears of like, what if I say something to incriminate myself? Like I used to do college improv and I would like play Disney princesses all the time. And I would always be like, God, like, am I being so obviously gay by like playing all these princesses? (laughs) So now it's nice that I like, don't worry about that. And, um, yeah, I just feel so, so free now. And, uh, and like I said, it helps my work. I don't know how much of this is improv focused. So I feel like I'm like putting my answers towards improv. Um, so let me know if I don't need to do that. But yeah, no, you're good. I actually remember you told me this one time, I forget which episode it was. Um, or the person told me this, but they were like, Brett, listen to my episode. But when he got to the stuff that wasn't about improv, he got bored. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Malik. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I was listening to Malik's episode. I was like, this is great. And I was like, okay, well, they're not talking about improv. So why am I could just hang out with them yeah. instead. But I'll, I'll yeah. go, Malik, I'll go back and I'll finish your episode. I promise. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Oh. <laughs> That just always stuck with me. I'm like, once we get off course, I'm like, I don't want Brett to get bored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Use me as the lens. 
Um, but when it comes to your improv, what are things you know you're strong at? And what are some weaknesses, if any? Mm, definitely a lot. Um, baby, we're going to need to move as well because I got to face Riley. We're going to reposition Nicholas so that he can keep doing my nails. We only <laughs> have so important. much time. <laughs> we could also do this later. No, um, no. <laughs> okay, like, let's commit to it. Um, my strength as an improviser. I always say, like, you'll get good at improv by going to therapy, by journaling, by learning how to love yourself, learning how to not apologize, learning how to be really bold in your decision making and not second guess yourself. Um, knowing who you are and knowing your voice, I think actually is so much more useful improv training than learning formulas, learning like tips on how to make jokes. Like I, you're getting up there in front of people and you're being naked in front of them. Like it's the most vulnerable thing to get up in front of people and be like, I have no idea what's about to happen and I'm gonna try to entertain you and like keep you interested. That's like a terrifying thing to do. So that's where like the mental game feels like the most important aspect to me. Um, I usually try to make sure I like, um, before a show, a lot of times I'll like ride my bike on the belt line and I'll like sing on the belt line just cause it puts me in the mindset of like, I don't give a fuck what people think. And like, this is helpful to take with me on stage. So I feel like, um, a strength of mine is that I know myself very well at this point and I'm continuing to know myself. There's still more to go, but I feel really... Um, secure and that makes me able to get up in front of an audience and not like worry so much what they think of it it's really only important at this point if I'm like having fun I would say my weakness is probably actually like doing that like there are shows where like I'll have a bad show and I'll be like pretty emotionally devastated afterwards and I'll and I like I've gotten so much better at that. He's actually been very helpful in making me understand that, that like my value is not in like how well I do as a performer, that I'm actually a lot more than just an imp improviser. So um, it's gotten easier, but I'd say my weakness at times is wanting to make the audience laugh and wanting their validation. And um, that's something that's going to get in the way because you have to be so present and you have to be confident. And as soon as you start second guessing and being like, oh no, what are, what are they thinking? Uh, it's not gonna, you're not going to be present, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes along with what you just said when you're up there or like if you're on stage or performing in front of you. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He finished my nails. That was the bell to indicate the nails are done. They're so cute. Thank you, it's baby. official. I know. I love them. Sorry, go. Oh, no, you're good. I was saying, um, when you're performing or when you're doing improv in front of people, what's going through your mind? Are you very focused on what you need to do and distracting yourself that way? Or are you very focused on the audience's reactions and like how they're feeling about the show? Like, where's your head at? It depends. Like I think it also depends who I'm playing with sometimes, but if like the, the goal is like, um, 
just listen. Like that's what I focus on. That's what my Meisner teacher has really instilled in me is if you start to get in your head, just start listening instead because Mm -hmm. listening and putting your attention on someone else will actually make you less worried about what's going on with you because you're so focused on that person. Like right now I'm like, oh my God, you're nodding and you're like really listening to me and you're like, you know, have your hands like this. And like, there's a lot going on with you that's very interesting for me to look at and listen to. And as I'm doing that, I'm not really thinking about what's going on with me at all. So the goal for me really is um, presence through listening. And if I'm listening, then I'm just focused on my partner and just focused on our circumstances. Um, So when I, if I ever zone out, if I ever get nervous, I ever think about, oh, it's not, I'm not getting laughs. Like, let me just like, oh, I got to please this audience. Just shut the fuck up, start listening. And if I do that, I will get back on track. Um, But I'd say generally, I'm pretty like there with my partner. And I've done this enough where the audience kind of disappears in a way. Mm. I, I'm pretty big on like not playing for the audience at all. Like really? they, the audience doesn't matter to me. Um, I think they can't matter because as soon as they matter, I start doing it for them. And I really need to do it for just me and my team. And so that, you know, if me and Anna are like doing a scene in a Subway sandwich shop, I'm like, we are, I'm just here with Anna in this subway like that is all that is happening right now i'm just here with her um so that that's like my attempted focus of course sometimes it it falters and like i get a little in my head um but again when that happens i just decide to start listening instead yeah yeah what's your favorite improv tool that you use um that's a great question (laughs) (laughs) i think like like i'm i'm pretty um I've been teaching this recently, like nothing that we're doing is real. Like the only real thing that you have is your partner and yourself. Because of that, it's important for me to use as many senses as possible to focus on my partner. And so listening and seeing them. And of course I could like smell them and taste them and touch them as well. But those aren't really senses used as frequently. Like I'm not like... I don't really need to lick my scene partner to like hear them, you know, but I do need to like look at them and listen. And something I focused on this year is like um, doing things towards my partner. Like I'll see, I'll see sometimes people will like initiate a scene and they're faced out towards the audience or they're faced away from their partner. Or even like one time in a show I like died, I like suffocated (laughs) in a fridge and then like it was like a walk-in fridge and it mm-hmm. got locked and while a scene was happening, I died in there. And then when they opened the fridge, I fell on the ground face forward and I was laying face forward on the ground and there was still, a, it was a monocene, so there's still stuff happening. And I'm like, I'm dead face floor, like face on the floor. Like I can't see anything that's happening right now. So I'm cutting mm-hmm. off 50% of my tools that I can use. So now when I die in a scene, if I die, I do feel like I die a lot. (laughs) If I die in a scene, I will die sitting with eyes open, looking at the middle of the stage, just like eyes wide open so that I can still use the tool of sight. And obviously I can listen, but like it's easier to listen if I'm like looking at something as well. So those are like the 
two most valuable tools I have is like my sight and my um, hearing. And I think if you're if you're listening, it just it just happens. You don't have to think about much if you're just like listening to what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I know, and I think that's what's funny when I was in the earlier classes is people are always like, what are, what are you guys doing to make such great scenes? How are you choosing such great characters? And Mm -hmm. it's like, it really comes down to just listening a lot of times and being a more active listener as opposed to having all these great or quote funny ideas. Totally. Cause, and that's where the trust comes in. Cause you already have all of it inside you. Like it's all within you. You have so much life experience and so many things that you think are funny and fun and you don't really have to like look for those things. Um, I'm really big on the Wizard of Oz right now. I'm going to bring this up. And, <laughs> and um, like that story is about like Dorothy, like on this quest, like looking for home, which is like the deepest thing that she wants. And she's told, oh, go to the wizard. And if you go to the wizard, then he'll get you home. And then she gets there and she's like, that's not going to work. Like he's not a real wizard. And then sends her on more stuff. And she's just like looking for how to get home outside of herself. And then finally at the end, Glinda comes in and she's like, Dorothy, the shoes can take you home. You had the power to do that the entire time. And this thing that she thought she needed to find somewhere else, she already had with with her the entire time. She she could find her deepest want within herself immediately um, if she wanted to. And of course she needed to go on this quest in a way to learn about herself and to make friends and all that. But ultimately everything that she needs is already inside of her. And I, I map that to what we're talking about here that if you just listen and trust that everything is already inside you and you have, and you are hilarious and you are a funny person and um, you have good ideas, everything will work out. You don't have to like go searching for something somewhere else from the wizard. Like you already have it in yourself. Um, so that's why just listening is like really the only thing you need to do. Cause you already have all, all, all the ideas and all the tools inside you. So. Yeah, exactly. And usually that's when I run into trouble when we have shows and I am so nervous that I am thinking about other things that I can't focus mm. and listen as well as I should. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to jump in if you don't actually know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So if you're not listening, you, you can't know what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people will be like, okay, I got to come up with a good idea. And it's like, yo, a good idea just happened. Yeah. You should, you should have just been there for it. Like I said, like the only thing you need is your partner, like right in front of you. That's the realest thing that you have. So if you can't come up with something, it's like, just look at them and you'll probably get something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's, what are good things to focus on when it comes to setting yourself up for a good relationship with the other character or setting yourself up for a good scene? What are some things that you focus on when you're platforming? Um, I'm really big on agreement. Um, And that kind of plays into like loving what my scene partner is doing and what the character is doing. You'll see a lot of scenes where people will jump to argument, disagreement, conflict very quickly because it is a turn. And so it Mm. can create something interesting. But you as improvisers are writing something together and it's a great uh, tool for if you give an idea for me to be like, hell yeah, that's a great idea. 
as soon as I'm like, no, my character doesn't want that, you're like, okay, well, I, what, am, what do I do now? But if you say something and I'm like, oh, hell yes, that's sick, then, um, then we can like continue moving forward rather than like getting stuck by saying like no to each other. Yeah. So I usually will, I feel like I play a lot of characters that like love the other character that I'm with and really want to support them because mm -hmm. my character is doing that. But even deeper than that, me as an improviser is needing to support them. And so doing that through my character is like a great way to make that happen, I would say. Yeah. So, so I'd say like leading with love and agreement and not trying to make conflict happen, but just like trusting that something interesting will happen if you just play together. Um, I think those are like the, 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 those are like the best ways to like start a good scene with somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being around a lot of newer improvisers at the jams and stuff, what are things you see beginners do a lot? Oh, you're like, oh. I'm about to talk shit about people. Let's go. <laughs> Name drop. <laughs> I will. I have them all in my head. No, you'll know if I don't like something at the jam because I'll throw my arms up and be like, I'll whisper to some people around me like, what was that? And I really do. I really go to the jam and host. But when I'm sitting down, I am an audience member because I think it's good for the performers and for everyone, for all of us to be like free in our response and our reaction to things. So mm -hmm. you'll, you'll see me not like things at the gym for sure. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't even really think about it that way. Like it's an individual's, what I love about, I haven't taken improv class in three years. I've only taken Meisner, which is the best improv training, but um, it's been really good for me to just get reps and for me to navigate my own path of understanding like what works and what doesn't. So I honestly love when new improvisers do things that don't work and that I'm like, oh, classic. I've seen that a million times and it never goes well. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing for them to do because they put their foot over the line and now they're like, oh, I went too far. That doesn't work. Now I need to recalibrate. Like, if you're looking at good improv as like a as like a dartboard and there's a bullseye like through reps like people will get closer and closer to that bullseye by making mistakes so i would never i honestly don't want to sit here on this podcast and be like this is something you shouldn't do yeah. in improv because i think it's like a much deeper and well received lesson learned if you just um figure that stuff out for yourself and that might mean you're like gonna fall on your face, you know, and look really stupid. But I've been doing improv for a long time and I've looked stupid plenty. And the looking stupid is what's gotten me closer to that bullseye. Um, so the, I, I will say the only thing I don't like seeing is when improvisers are mean to each other. Like if, mm -hmm. if an improviser through their character like puts down an idea or like makes a sarcastic joke about that not being funny, I think something I hate is when people make a pun and then the other character is like, yeah, that was a funny pun. And I'm like, they were trying to make a joke. So just yeah. like support the fact that they were trying, you know? <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't appreciate when people get mean and cutting because it doesn't create uh, collaborative improv. Yeah, do you have any pet peeves? Oh improv pet peeves? <laughs> <laughs> You're really trying to drag this shit out of me. I'm leaving. I should just say whatever I want. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, just the meanness, um, 
people talking at the same time too. Mm-hmm. It's something that I um that is something that I see a lot in you know, it, it's just it's just inability to listen. Like if you're in your head and you're like trying to make something happen, you're not gonna notice that someone else on the other side of the stage is also talking at the same time. And for me that's such like a obvious thing of like, oh, the audience can't hear two sentences being said at the same time very well. Um, but people have to learn to listen before they can uh, before they can get to the point where they realize, oh, I'm talking at the same time as someone else. I shouldn't do that, you know? Yeah, I actually noticed that a couple months ago in shows, because mm-hmm. going and seeing shows is also a great way to learn. Of course. And... That's always a good indicator that the timing is off or the performers aren't on the same page with each other when they start talking over each other. Yeah. And I've noticed myself and my teammates doing that too. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why, but every time it happens, I'm like, okay, we need to pause for a second yeah. and get our shit back together. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's everybody just be on, on being on their own path. And like you are building something as a singular unit, you know? If like... A group of improvisers is writing a script. It should feel the same as one person writing a script. So you really have to listen to understand what was just said so you know what to give. And yeah, it's really frustrating when I'm like, man, you guys clearly hate each other because you're not listening to each other at all. And I don't think it really runs that deep. Um, But I think the best thing about my teams is like, I work with people that really respect each other and are really kind to each other. And that translates in the way that we're able to collaborate on stage, too. Mm-hmm. Other than getting reps together, what are some qualities that make for a good team? Or, to, mm. you know, good good ways to build chemistry with your teammates? Yeah. Um, I feel like... Oh, that's a great question. Well, I would love to give a good answer. I, lo- <laughs> I love my teams. So I have two teams here. I have Two Bears Blow Up in a Car and Camp Crush. Um... And uh, I I think um, my time with both has been amazing because we're really good friends outside of our work. And that's not essential, I think, to having a good team. But just like for me, it's been helpful as a person to be like improv is not everything. It's not my whole world. It's just something I do. And it's something I do every once in a while and when I want to. Like it's really helpful for my team to be like this is not the only thing that we have together this is not our world um we actually and 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 that makes it so that when we don't have a great set it's like great we're still we still have uh health in our relationships outside of making sure we have a good set we like i think of two bears like we travel we've traveled to nashville um the last couple years for a festival and it's been really nice to be like, oh, we're just like friends that are doing this thing together. This is not the only thing we do. It just is one of the things that we do. So I do think like investing a little bit outside of the work is very important. And that might mean that when you're in rehearsal, you're just talking about stuff that's not just improv, you know? Um, Two Bears and, and, Camp, and Madeline with Camp Crush, like we really know what's going on in each other's lives. and. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to rehearsal with two bears last night and I like cried with them about leaving, you know. So for me to have that like personal like, oh, you really see me, you really trust me, you really respect me. That is the human connection stuff that's going to translate to good work on stage. 
Because if people don't respect each other on stage, it's going to be very clear that they don't respect each other. Um, it's really just like a magnified representation of like what's happening in real life when you get on stage together. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. A lot of the teams that are great are just, they are friends, mm-hmm. outsider. They naturally have that connection. So mm-hmm. it just makes it so much easier. And like, it, you can see that too when they're performing. Mm-hmm. You can, because the comfortability or com- comfortability, comfortability. <laughs> however the fuck you say that. <laughs> um, yeah, you can like see it from a distance. And we had a show in October, my team did. And we've been doing shows since January. So just at a year now. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the tape and I used to be uh, too self-conscious to watch. And I recently mm-hmm. like started being able to. It's the hardest thing. It's right? so hard. Yeah. It really is. And like I just got over that hurdle. Yeah. And I was watching it. And then we recorded our most recent show. Watched that one. Mm-hmm. And just in the span of a couple months the difference is huge just like the comfortability aspect and the confidence and i'm like man you don't even feel that at all when it's happening and then you can see it like so clearly totally yeah yeah i think that's where it's nice it's like helpful to trust with your team too like we're getting somewhere like you, you shouldn't be expected to be incredible as a team your first show or your first year of shows like the best teams i've seen have been playing together for 10 15 years you know so I think there's something there too. And like, hey, we don't have to be good right now. We don't have really ever have to be good. But like, if we keep doing this together, we will continue getting more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to thank you, by the way, because you gave my team our first show. Oh, good for me. Way back in the day. You're welcome. At Bibliotech. Oh, really? Yeah. What is it, Frogs? Um, no, Basement, oh, basement party. party. That's right. You yeah. guys opened for a two-bear show? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that was a big show, too. Mm-hmm. You guys killed. It was, that was packed. Yeah, that was a really... And that's that's what's funny. Like, sometimes a team will have, like, a great, like, first set together. And then the second one is like, oh, God, like, was that just a fluke, you know? <laughs> so, like, you guys had a great... I mean, I didn't see your second set. You know, I'm not talking about you guys. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was cool to see that you guys had, like, a really fun first set. You know? Well, thanks. Yeah. That was because of you. Well, I don't know. So. I just was doing a show, so. <laughs> Fair. Um. Bye, baby. I love you. He's going to therapy. He'd be a great improviser because he does therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and <he is. laughs> yeah, and at Dad's Garage, they have a little sign that says, um, this is not therapy. Like, a reminder, this is improv class and not therapy. Huh. And I was thinking about that. I was like, why... Why is that? Why do I feel similarly to when I leave therapy, when I leave an improv class or something? Um, And I think it's just like that constant explore, at least for me, the constant exploring Mm. of your boundaries Mm -hmm. as a person through doing improv. That's, it's exhausting, but it's also like what makes it so worthwhile. But I'm curious, like for yourself and personally, have you had to go through any experiences or like really confront any difficult topics with yourself that have been brought up because of improv? Yes. Oh my God. I, I wish he had not just walked out. I mean, I've, I've told, you know, I've talked about this a lot. Um, and I've talked about this recently. Like I talked about this at the jam a couple weeks ago. Um, my boyfriend came to, and my boyfriend's not an improviser. He's like a dancer. He's a yoga teacher. So he's like, he gets it, but it's not what he does. And he doesn't really care about improv. Mm -hmm. And he loves to watch me perform, but doesn't really have much stake in the game. And he came and watched our two bears, like live taping. And afterwards, um, 
he didn't say anything to me about the show. And I was like, um, hello? Like, I clearly, like, need to talk about this with you. Like, I need to sort through this. Like, please tell me good job. And we did meet somewhere in the middle with him being like, okay, I, you know, it is important for me to, like, make sure you feel seen and, like, that I saw you up there and that I'm, you know, saying I saw you up there um, and that you were very vulnerable and that is what's good. Um, but in that conversation, he was like, can, well, can I give you a note? And I was like, sure. And I should have said no, obviously. Um, you should never <laughs> let someone give you a note that doesn't do what you do. And he was like, I would love to see you use less guns. And I was like oh my god that's like my biggest insecurity like how dare you like point out like the thing that I'm the most ashamed of and I just did that on stage and I thought I fucked up the set because of it and it's just like so hurtful that you would tell me to use less guns in my improv like I'm working on it okay and he was like is it like important to you that I think that you're really good at this and I was like um I guess so like I guess like the fact that you're like saying you didn't love something and I'm taking it so personally and it's like such a big deal for me one is really showing me that I need your affirmation and two is showing me that I like kind of care about this too much like this is my work like it's not who I am as a person it's not my identity me like you know, because in that moment, I'm like, well, I'm using a gun because I don't trust myself to find something interesting. So I'm forcing it. And then that ruins the set. And so it was it felt like such a big deal to me emotionally. And then I was like, oh, my God, like, this is just work. Like, this is just play. Like, I shouldn't feel like utterly devastated by like having a bad show or like being pointed out that I could, you know, work on something. And it really made me realize like, oh, I put so much stake into this and so much of like how good I feel about myself is how good I feel as a performer. And those two things have to be separate because I don't, I mean, maybe like maybe a, a truck driver like feels like, oh, I'm a good person because I did a good job driving this truck. But to me, I'm like, I don't care. Like if, if you like accidentally like break one of the windshield wipers, I'm not going to think you're a terrible bastard of a person, you know? So for me in this context, I just had, I, I just really realized like, oh, I like um, really identify as a performer and that's like my entire identity. So when it doesn't go well or something tells me, someone tells me something they didn't like, I'm like devastated by it. And that felt, I'm not, you know, maybe this isn't exactly what you're asking, but that felt like a therapeutic moment for me of learning a lot about myself mm -hmm. based on my reaction to uh, feedback from my work. And it really taught me separate these things. Like, I'm a, I'm, I exist, I'm Brett, that's my identity. Improv is not who I am, it's something I do. Just like a truck driver drives his truck, this is just something I do. And at the end of the night, I leave my show and I come home and I eat dinner and I go to bed. And that's not my entire world. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think it's it, it's such a cool art form because it forces you to be so vulnerable and so stripped down and so naked in front of people. And because of that, you learn so much about yourself. So I don't think yeah. improv should be your only source of therapy. But I do actually think any art form that you're involved with is going to be therapeutic if you're listening to how you respond to things. So I would say improv is great 
therapy. It shouldn't be your only source of therapy, but it, if therapy is like learning about myself and my triggers, I definitely have learned about myself and my triggers through doing improv and through like being naked in front of people so much. Yeah. Yeah. And more so brings up the topics mm-hmm. that I didn't realize were like even going on sometimes. Yeah. Like I was doing the same thing where when mm-hmm. I had a bad show, I would like, it was like the world ended. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is it so dramatic to right. me? And I was like, well, it's important. That's why. Yeah. Like it's, it's important to be that. So I care a lot, but at the same time, you know, going to actual therapy mm-hmm. and talking about how to give importance to things and how to, you know, give them weight in your life mm-hmm. without giving them so much weight that it ends up becoming a hindrance yeah. for you and like wanting in, in those goals that you're trying to achieve, it becomes obstacles yeah. instead of, yeah. you know, tools. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, it just matters to you. Like, it's not bad that I like care about this a lot, but it is not helpful when my care for it usurps my care for like other things and just like myself. So, yeah, yeah. And not thinking that your friendships depend on it either. Cause mm-hmm. that was another thing that I, I used to do. And I think a lot of people do that where they're like, if I have a bad show or if I have a bad jam or if I embarrass myself, nobody's going to want to be my friend. Nobody's <laughs> going to want to like, <laughs> associate with me and it it sounds so dumb when you say it out loud because like we're all adults here Mm -hmm. but that's really how I would think like if I have a bad show nobody's gonna want to be around me like why would they want to be around me if I'm not doing well like Mm -hmm. obviously and then you think about it you're like that's so dumb like these are not my friends if they're not gonna hang out with me because I have a bad show like that doesn't make sense exactly but that's the amount of weight that Mm -hmm. you know you can put on it yeah Um, have you ever received a compliment that's really stuck with you? Oh, um, about my work? I think. Or just in general? In general. I mean, I like when people tell me I'm hot, like. Do you? Oh my God, of course. I was in New York in October and I like, um, walked out of this play and I was in this very gay area and this guy walks past me and he just looks me up and down and he says, you look good. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the king of New York. Like, I felt like a god. So yeah, of course, I love any compliment. Um, I'm trying to think about a compliment regarding maybe my work. Um, I don't know. I I think, um, I feel like something that um, Madeline has talked to me about is just like my... Um, intentionality in supporting her both on and off stage and that is something that I really focus on with friends and um, and you know scene partners as well is like I really need I really want to show you that I am here for you and I'm present for you and I'm listening and I'm gonna support you so I feel like um, she has talked to me a lot about how meaningful it's been that I give her so much of that support so intentionally so I feel like I like that as a compliment in my work. Yeah. 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 How would you want people to describe you? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I love this podcast. (laughs) I I really am like, is this about improv or is this about like who I am as a person? Um, How do I want people to describe me? Other than hot. Hot, hot, funny, cool. (laughs) Um, Present. I I think, I think I, I would, I feel like it's obvious that maybe I would want people to describe me in the way that I want to describe myself. And I think presence is the most important thing to me. I think that I have like a very 
finite amount of time on this earth and I'm very aware of that. So therefore being here for all of it, you know, um, this is special to me, like sitting with you on my couch, like talking about this work, like talking about ourselves, getting to know each other more, like um, being really here and not distracted feels like the best way I can feel alive and like grateful for what I have right now. So, so I, I would hope people describe me as very present and I, and I think they do. I, yeah. I've, I've had people talk to me about that. So hopefully that was true. Um, yeah. Yeah. If it's any consolation, I would describe you as being present. Yes. Yes. (laughs) One down. Oh my God. Good. (laughs) Um, What are you most proud of in terms of your work in, in your Atlanta chapter? Like what's something that you've achieved or that you've done that you're really, really proud of? I I would say the improv jam uh, that I host at Bibliotheque. Um, That jam started at, roll call theater and was there for like six or seven months and then um the space became no longer available very suddenly and it was very like it felt very scrappy like fuck like what are how are we gonna keep this going and I was was friends with Matt who owns the bookstore and called him up and he was like sure you can start here next week and um to see how that jam has just like evolved and grown as and I've learned how to like uh, really refine it over the last two years makes me feel very proud, um, especially because I've never, I've only focused on making it a good place to do improv. Like that's always been my focus is not on marketing, not on getting people in the door, not on making it like cool or like, you know, like I said, marketable or palatable for a wide audience. I've just been focused on if you come here, you will get really good experience doing this art form. And there's no hierarchy, there's no opportunities you can get out of doing a good job at the jam. That's what sets our jam apart from other jams at theaters is at other theaters, you can go to the jam and the guy in charge might see you play and be like, well, they're great, let's put them on the main cast. And at the Bibliotech jam, no one's gonna give you shit for doing a good job, it's just, practice and it's just purely you're just going to do improv um so so i feel very proud to have created a space where it's really just about the work and not about this exterior bullshit that a lot of other um organizations might like put on top of that kind of thing and i'm leaving this is my last jam this week Uh, tomorrow's the last jam i'll go to and i'm not even hosting i'm gonna watch the new hosts host um we have four new hosts and i'm really excited about them They're each going to host once a week and it feels really good to have built something that feels grounded and secure and I can leave and I'm like not worried about it stopping. Like I'm very confident the health of the improv jam will continue to stay strong um, because we've built a good product and we're putting it in hands of people that are very dedicated and excited about it. So yeah. Yeah. Do you feel appreciated? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do feel appreciated. I think um, it's been, like, overwhelming, this, like, concept of leaving. And, yeah, I I think um, I have enough people thank me for the work I've done. And I I think the reason I feel appreciated is because I have seen people... never do improv and start at the jam 
and then become really good at improv just by going to the jam and taking class and like doing shows. Um, like Sydney is an example of someone that like she started at the roll call jam. She had never done improv. She just started as a hobby and she didn't know what she was doing at all. Like in the beginning, like who would, you know, it makes sense. And after two and a half years of watching Sydney play, like I've gotten to watch this woman like become a great improviser. Um, so I feel very appreciated through being able to see this thing be so effective for people and for, to see someone like Sydney be able to come and feel comfortable and get better at what she does. Um, and someone who had no idea they were going to get really good at improv, you know? Um, that's the thing that makes me feel like my work is worthwhile is getting to see like years later how uh, much someone has grown. Yeah. What kind of role do you want improv to have in your life moving forward? Because I know it's had a huge part in your life for the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a break for a little bit. I think it's going to be really good for me to go explore my voice and my artistic voice outside of improv. Um, when I get, and I, I, I mean, I'm staying open. I'm very much like maybe I'll move to a farm and... Ontario and like never look back and just live there the rest of my life. I doubt it. I think I need to live in a city. I think I need to like, I don't need to. I think I want to live in a city and I want to, you know, do creative work for a living. Um, so when I, if, if I, if and when I get back to it, I want improv to be my job. I just not, not, and that doesn't even mean like, oh, I'm getting paid a ton for it. I want improv to be my work and not my social scene. I think, um, in Atlanta, it's been very good for those worlds to have come together. And of course, I will continue to be social with people that I work with. Um, but sometimes I feel like I get a little too like emotionally involved in the work. Like, um, you know, if, if I'm having a, I'm having a hard time knowing how to really explain this. Um, like I, I, I made, I made my work, my social scene, like I would go to improv parties and like parties hosted by improvisers or like just hang out with improvisers all the time. And, um, when I do a show, I don't want to talk to anybody afterwards. Like I just did that. Like I was up there for an hour being very vulnerable and now I get off stage and I like have to keep talking to like people like I kind of just want to go home and take a bath and I think because I've like married the social world with my work world I've really felt like I um have a responsibility to talk to people after a show oh these are my friends like I need to like go out and like thank them for coming and like all this stuff and I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm like I need to take care of myself a little bit more and I need to let this just be work for me so that I can separate my like emotions and my personal life from it. So when I get back to improv, I really will still make friends and will still like be close to the people that I'm playing with, but I'm really trying to make sure that my social life is outside of that um, because it's been a little more challenging to like just focus on the work when there's also like social stuff going on around it. It muddies it a little bit for me. Yeah. Does that make some sense? Yeah. 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 I was going to ask, did you find yourself like while doing jam at Bibliotech and everything, 
kind of straddling that line between being a mentor and a teacher in a sense and also being like a peer and a friend yeah yeah I think um and I I've tried to focus on like I will help people by just like doing my thing being myself being friendly to them I'm not really intentional about like oh I'm trying to mentor someone like the jam I made because I wanted a space to do improv and to jam I really have done the jam just for me. Um, so I'm not, but I realize that people are being mentored as a result of me doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know it happens. It's never really been my focus. At the improv jam, I'm a little more of like a pastor. Like I'm not a pastor, but like that is my background. And like yeah. I um, I go to the jam knowing I'm hosting. I'm helping people feel welcome. I'm talking to them about what's going on in their lives. I'm hanging out with them afterwards. Like Wednesday nights are Brett is friends and mentor and player. And like, I'm doing a lot of things. When I do shows, I'm like, I'm not trying to, this is my job. I'm not trying to like mentor. I'm not trying to like help people out. I'm not trying to like support people right now. Like I need to get up there and do what I want to do for me. And right now, part of that means I just want to, like, leave afterwards, you know? Um, So therefore, I'm not trying to, like, answer questions about the work or, like, I don't know. Um, Yeah. Does that make some sense, too? Yeah. These are harder questions for me to answer because I, I, like, (laughs) understand that I have, like, um, I understand that I have a bit of a role in this scene. And I've realized I don't want to... Like, I get to be an improviser, too. Like, I don't want to be a mentor. I don't want to be a teacher. If I'm teaching, like, if I'm teaching my Sunday workshop, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm teaching. I'm a teacher right now. Um, but in other contexts, like, I just want to have friends and I just want to hang out with people. And I don't want to feel like people are, like, looking up to me. And I realized that has happened here. And I think that's, like, cool um (laughs) (laughs) that's like so cool it's like very cool for everyone else but like (laughs) I really need to be built up and like be able to just relax and sometimes it does feel like I'm like doing extra mentor work when I like don't really want to and what I've learned with that is like Brett that's your decision to make like you better you know you better set your boundaries then like people are going to do what they do. And, and people are great to do that. Like if people want to learn from me, that feels like an honor. Um, but it, it's like, I want to do that when I want to do that. And I don't want to do it when I don't want to do it. So I've kind of lost track of the question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Honestly, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a little, uh, yeah, it, it's, I feel a little in my head talking about this stuff because it feels like I like am like, um, talking about my reputation and I don't know I I get a little um I don't want to act like I'm anything special sometimes you know I do think I'm special but I don't I don't really want to be sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know yeah no it is <laughs> it is weird yeah um being better than everyone is a full-time job it's I didn't exhausting. say that <laughs> no yeah because I I just am curious because like you know being in a show that you're a guest of versus being in a show that you produce uh-huh. are very different. So different. And sometimes it's better to just get to 
enjoy doing your part in the show and bowing out, even though you Mm -hmm. get more, you know, fulfillment, maybe more, you know, notoriety, attention, whatever it is from doing the the whole production. It's so much easier to just come in and do your thing and, and dip out and not have to to deal with the whole show totally. and that kind of how it that's kind of how it feels sometimes with what you do because it's like you don't get to just show up to the jam do your group and, and leave mm-hmm. at the intermission yeah like, I think that's what I'm getting at like I've had people be like oh I, when I saw you were in my group like you're the host and so I got really nervous to play with you and I'm like Ugh. like that's not gonna help either of us like I get it but like I'm not I, it, it's not like that. Like, we are both players right now. We're both, like, doing this. Like, I've had people be like, oh, I'm, you, just, you take the lead. I'm just going to follow your lead. And I'm like, that doesn't help me at all because that's leaving me stranded. I actually need you to bat 110% like I am. So I think that's where it does. I think that's what I'm getting at. Like, it, that's where it gets in the way sometimes is when people put you on a pedestal in an art form that's so collaborative, it literally doesn't work. And it's very frustrating because I view myself as an equal player to you when we are playing together. Um, so it's, it's um, I don't want to feel like I'm holding anyone's hand um, in doing improv with them. And that's why I'm so grateful that I do have plenty of people around me that are better than me and on my level and at my experience level to work with. Uh, but yeah, at the jam, it's like frustrating when people are like, oh, like you're better than me. I'm like, it's literally not about that. I just have more years of experience. And I've also seen people do improv for the first time and murder. And I'm like, fuck, I wish I was as good as that person who was doing improv for the first time tonight. It just doesn't, it, it's, it's not this like, um, linear, like, oh, if you've been doing it for this long, that means you're good or something. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and something I've also noticed recently, too, is, like, when you don't have the confidence or you're new at improv, mm-hmm. it's hard to even imagine having the confidence. Mm. But then once you do gain that confidence, it's so annoying to think how somebody doesn't just get it, mm. how they don't just, like, figure it out. They don't just get more comfortable. And <laughs> right. like, that was you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's what, at least for me, it was one of those things where like once it hit me a little bit more than I was like, oh, I can just chill yeah. a little bit more. It's not that big of a deal. Right. Like it's, but you know, it was life or death, like right before that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, why are you like, it's not that big of a deal. Just go do what you know how to do. Exactly. Yeah. But, and, I, and I would hope someone in my jam group is like, oh, great. Brett's in my group. And that means that I'll do great because he's really going to support me. You know, like we're, I'm not viewing it as like a, who's going to do the best. Like I'm viewing it as like, we're all going to do the best because we're all going to help each other out here. So, yeah, I think with you, we've only been in a group together like one time. Oh, really? Yeah. Wild. But I was just You've never like, been in oh. group four. It's always group four. Really? You're always in I'm group usually four? In, well, That's I'm funny. usually in group four because it's easy for me to remember that the fourth group goes before intermission. And even though I do the numbers out of order now, it still is helpful for me to be like, okay, I, I always know that group four is going to go right before intermission. And that's, and I always play right before intermission, so then I can have a beer during the second act. Oh. So I can just enjoy the rest of it. See, there's a whole, like, <laughs> rhythm to this thing. Yeah, people don't know. I've been, like, <laughs> definitely refining these little details for, like, two years. And that's that's one that I found is, like, it really helps if I play 
in the first act so I don't have to be thinking about because I get nervous too like really oh my god are you kidding mm-hmm. are you ki- actually are you kidding yeah no I'm serious yeah no oh my god I get so nervous when I play at the gym really I get especially nervous when I play at the gym because and it's gotten a lot easier through the reps I used to not play at the gym I used to um just host and I would justify that for myself being like well I need to be available for like if stuff happens and like if I need to take care of things but the truth was I felt this pressure to make sure I was doing a really good job in my set because if the host isn't good then they're gonna lose respect for the host and then they're gonna lose respect for the jam and they're not gonna want to come back and then I realized Mm. no they need to see the host failing they need to see the host also getting up and bombing or also getting up and doing well um, and being like, oh, the host is the same as all of us. Like, they're not special. Like, they are also going to play tonight and, like, might not do a good job tonight. And it made me feel good when I would not do a good job eventually because I would be like, great. Like, now they see that the host is, like, going to, like, not do great sometimes too. So um, I, I've really released that pressure because I don't think anyone is thinking about it that way. I think I was the only one concerned about, oh, they're going to lose, I'm going to lose respect if I don't do a good job. Um, so now I feel pretty comfortable playing at the jam, but there's definitely times right before I get up there that I'm like, okay, like, I hope I do well. Like, yeah, I get, I get so nervous about improv all the time. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think you're nervous about? Um, I think I'm nervous about like, a lack of self-awareness like that is probably my biggest thing in life that I struggle with is like I feel I I grew up so religious and because of that it was very important for me to know the right answers and the stakes of not knowing the right answers are you go to hell for eternity so the stakes were very high to know the right answer and I've like really shed myself of a lot of that um in the last couple years um But I think I still deal sometimes with this need to be on top of things and like be aware and like know what's going on um, before everyone else or even during while everyone else is seeing what's going on. I don't want to be like late to the game. I don't want someone to be like, oh, Brett, you're dumb. Like you didn't figure out that this was happening and you like missed it. And everyone else, it was very clear to everyone else that that's what was going on. Mm. And what I've really learned is like, I'm allowed to not be aware. Like I'm allowed to miss things. Listening is so important for me. For a while, I like really struggled um, like smoking weed around people because if I like, you know, sometimes when I smoke weed, I just like get in my own little lanes and like start <laughs> like la 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 by myself. And I just get my own thought process. And I would really judge myself for like not being able to listen and like not being so present. Mm. And I've kind of started using weed as a bit of a practice now of being like, it's okay if I am a little in my own head and like missing things. Um, No one's going to hate me for like missing one sentence that they said. Because honestly, most people are not great listeners. So my batting average is already going to be strong. Um, so if I miss things sometimes that's totally fine. Uh, but I'm still kind of like getting used to that concept of like, it's okay if you look like an idiot, um, because you are going to look like an idiot sometimes because you're a human being and all human beings are going to have moments where they are being an idiot and that's okay. 
it doesn't mean that you're an idiot. It just means that in that moment you are being an idiot. Yeah, it doesn't define you as a person mm-hmm. in your entirety, that one little moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah speaking of therapy, that's another thing we've I been know. talking about a lot. Yeah. Um, but anyway, is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd want to talk about? Um, oh my god, regarding improv? Yeah. I don't know. Um I guess I do have one question oh, sure. that I can think of. Okay. Is there anything that people would be surprised to know about you? <laughs> ah, I have secrets. I do have secrets. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm a pretty open book, honestly. Um, I'm pretty vulnerable. I think most people in this community have seen me cry at some point. Have you seen me cry? No. Really? But you're not leaving until Monday, so the, there's oh still God. time. Are you coming to my show tonight? Oh, I, I'm going to trivia. That's great. Do that. Oh, are you going to cry? No Do I need to I'll be there? I'll definitely cry at the show. Oh. Um, what would people not know? I think, honestly, like, it's... I mean, if if we're, like, sticking to improv... Mm. It's been funny for me to f- see people just kind of like assume that this jam has been like the way it's been for so long. Like it used mm-hmm. to be so bad in my opinion and like so different. Like I didn't know what I was doing when I started two mm-hmm. and a half years ago. And I, so I forget exactly the conversation, but someone recently was like kind of talking about the jam. Like it's just like always been this like you know, a lot of people there and kind of like a a core thing that happens in the community. And I was like, you know, that I like started it at one point, like there was a point where it didn't exist (laughs) and like five people would come and they were like, what? Like it it used to be like just a few people. And I'd be like, and I was like, yeah, of course, like anything is going to start like very small. Like the jam was like really small and like not fleshed out for a long time and people newer to it might just assume that's how it's always been. So um, similar to my shows here, like I when I started doing shows in Atlanta, I started independently. I, I've never been affiliated with a theater. And I would have one person in the audience a lot. I would have four people in the audience for a lot of shows. So when people complain about like no one being at their shows and they're like a new team, I'm like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> keep doing this because the audiences have to learn to like trust you and like know that they're going to have a good time coming. You're not going to get them right away. Cause when I moved here literally all the time, I was playing for three people in the audience and I was doing the exact same work then that I do in my show tonight where we have like, I think yesterday we had like 50 pre-sales. So, and we'll, we'll hopefully sell out is my hope tonight. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a year where I was playing for three people in the audience. And um, I think it would maybe be helpful for um, people to know that, like, anyone had, like, a beginning, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's so good to know because I've never been to one of your shows where it wasn't at least half full. That's great. So I'm so glad. Which is, yeah, that's great, but that's so good to know that it wasn't yeah. always like that. <laughs> Have you had any shows where there's been like just a, like two or three people in the audience? Yeah, we actually had one show where there were two people. Yeah. And it was one of my favorite shows. Yeah, and totally. one of them came on stage and like we got them involved. So really it was more like one person. <laughs> Hilarious. That's great. But yeah, it was still really fun. So yeah, to me, all stage time is good stage time yes, though. Absolutely. Yeah. And because again, it's the same work, whether there's one people there or a million people there, you're doing the exact same thing. The audience isn't really, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about, but we're in an hour, so this is probably a good stopping point. Yeah, um, and you have your show. And I do have my show. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. This is very cool. I love that you do this. Um, I'll keep listening mm. to these when I leave. It would be a nice way to keep in touch. Um, I, I, I'll like close by saying it's just been like the best. It's just been the best three years for me. Like being able to like like when I lived in I lived in New York before I moved down here and I was like auditioning at UCB and like just I was very like okay there's a one track way to do it and I just have to wait in line and wait my turn and audition and hope that I get something and then I moved here and very quickly just started producing my own stuff and it's really like evolved into like some projects that I'm like so proud to be a part of and um what I've learned in Atlanta is like, I really am capable of anything because I've been forced to figure it out by myself and forced to make it happen for myself. And, um, and it's been, I think very successful and I've had a lot of fun doing it. So my encouragement to anyone doing this is just like, just keep doing it and trust that you can make whatever you want to make happen and you don't have to wait in line or wait for someone else's permission to do the artistic things that you want to do. You can just do it now. Um, and I feel like if I want to like leave this community with anything on my way out, it's that, that you don't, if, if you didn't get in the sketch show, if you didn't get on that team that you auditioned for, all right, stop crying about it, pick yourself up, make it happen for yourself because you can make it happen. Um, and I think that's why I'm, I'm glad I talked about, it. I used to have one person in my audience cause it does feel like a little bit of an underdog, like, okay, great. Like I, I was able to figure out how to make this, this stuff happen for myself and do improv in the way that I wanted to do it and find my collaborators. And, um, I've just like grown so much and had so much fun doing improv here. So I'm very grateful. Yeah, and thank you again for creating this community because it is about taking the opportunity for yourself and making of it what you will. But mm -hmm. also, you've given so many people the opportunity to make teams Thanks. and to grow in a space that's comfortable because especially acting can be kind of competitive and mm -hmm. expensive and intense and people aren't always very welcoming. Like, they're usually the opposite on purpose. Mm -hmm. So... Um, yeah, it's just been so great that you've done that because I've said this before, like I likely would have quit if I had gone somewhere else because mm -hmm. I just was so insecure and you made it so fun, which was why I wanted to come back and like you've given me now this new hobby that I get to enjoy. So thanks, Riley. Yeah. So thank you for giving everybody this opportunity and for sticking with it and creating this great thing. <laughs> thanks. And, and I, I, I appreciate you saying that. I definitely wouldn't use the phrasing creating a community. I feel like I've like built some fires and like allowed space for people to like gather together. Like this community has been built by people coming in and being a part of it. I've like started some little fires and then stepped back and like that is how the community um, has been built more. But like improv existed in Atlanta before I got here, you know, it's been, it's been a process of being created for a while. But I do think this indie community we have right now is very special. Um, and I do think it's because some people have been like, we don't have to do it through the systems that are already in place. And I think my part here has just been like, here's a fireplace, whoever wants to come hang out at my fireplace, come hang out. And that's how the community has been, you know, strengthened, I think. So. Yeah, totally. But yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks for joining the podcast. You're welcome. Signing off.